Welcome back to our Starting Stalls podcast. Once again, joined by Daryl Carter. Week two, Daryl, and we're back for our weekly chat. Plenty to look forward to, but plenty to review from what was, well, a pretty amazing weekend of racing. Are you up, down, indifferent? How are you feeling? I'm excited to be back. I'm enjoying these chats with you every week. I get to find out something different each week. So I do look forward to seeing you. In terms of up and down in the punting game, I disgraced myself on Saturday. I oh, lost no. A, yeah, I lost a four. Down. Yeah, I made more. I made more playing poker in the evening at the casino than I did on the horses all day. And given oh, you the horses, should definitely well. not admit that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it was dreadful, but I had a winner yesterday, so I'm in good spirits. Okay, so we're hoping that this week we can sort of go back Claw in the right back. direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I like it. Well, um, I mean, for everyone viewing and watching racing, I think we were spoiled with some uh, pretty incredible results, and uh, it was. We're pretty special being at Epsom, that is for sure. But as we did last week, unfortunately, we didn't see any of the eye catchers run or not yet. But we've got some more eye catchers um, from the last week. And I know that you were really um, taken back by two horses from the same yard that ran in the same race at Doncaster on Saturday. So if we go back to Doncaster, 540, we've got Embesto and Suwa. I think I pronounced that correctly, that, like I said, both ran at Doncaster on the weekend. Come on, Daryl, what's your reasons for this? Yeah, well, this, this Investor absolutely dotted up on debut, and um, I was hoping to get about, I tipped him for, for this Doncaster race, I was hoping to get about 11 to 10 on him, not a chance, opened at like 1 to 2, um, like the, the market kept him solid at the top of it, went off at around 4 to 9, um, but this, this horse, I mean, there was two groups at Doncaster coming down the straight track, the left, the far side, which is normally not the place to be, but they had the pace in the in the quartet there. And you got to around halfway and Besto's in the group on the near side at the rear of the field. And you got to about halfway in the camera pans and you see how far behind the, the stand side group are and compared to the quartet. And it was a fantastic ride by, by David Egan. Um, he, he just, he must have just clicked and thought, oh, geez, I've got to go and try and, try and pick these up on that far side he's pulled out he's pulled out around the field and he is just quickened and within the flash of an eye put about seven lengths between himself and his group he's hung a little bit under pressure left and then hung a little bit right under pressure but ultimately at the line he's pushed out and he's a ready winner and he's given plenty of weight away under a penalty to some Horses that I think, uh, I think it's formed definitely worth following. Some big yards represented in that race. The race has got a really good role of honour for the last four or five winners. Uh, Mutakayel being one of them. Uh, Roger Varian won it with Bashosh. Um, and he recorded the highest RPR in that race. And I'm just thinking that because he's only, because he's a, a strong odds on the shot, he's only won by a short distance. I'm thinking he might just be slightly underestimated. But what he had to do to win was quite remarkable. I, I think he's definitely a group horse going forward. Um, I mean, I, I, I potentially a group one horse for, for me, but we're waiting to see if he gets a handicap mark. We'll see what that does. If he goes somewhere like the Britannia or something like the Jersey or we'll see, but he's definitely a Royal Ascot horse. He's definitely one to keep on side. And I think he's got a bright, bright future. His stable mate uh, who was down the field, Suwa, um, finished second in that in that group that I said Investo came from. This horse is a gorgeous looking horse, big unit, bred to be best over a mile and a half minimum. Absolutely. Well, 
can I just quickly, whilst I'm, before we go on to, on to, on to him, Mbesco, mm-hmm. 97, he got given as a handicap March day. Did he really? Yeah. Jesus Christ, boys and girls, get the wallet out, bet responsibly. <laughs> this is a bet. This is a bet. I'm oh, opening. my words. Where's he going to go? Where is he going to go? I'm telling you now, this is a this is a, a group horse in the making. This is a proper, proper horse, this. Uh, and just quickly, his, his stable mate, who's probably not going to reach the level that this lad does, but bred for middle distances, looked big, powerful, very green, didn't really know his job, but he was getting the hang of things towards the finish, and uh, he's going to be a nice prospect as well. That was his debut, so... Um, perhaps expect, wait, give him a couple of runs until he steps up in distance and uh, it'll be nice to, to keep on side as well. Well, if Daryl thinks Investo is a group one horse and he's given a mark of 97, we could be £20 well in here. So uh, let's see if uh, Daryl's right or wrong. But he he is one of the eye catchers from the weekend. Either sort of, I guess people are going to be putting a permanent marker across out his name. Absolutely not. Or they're <laughs> going to be on side with you and sort of highlight him. So let's keep an eye on where he goes. Like you say, potentially off that mark, he's going to be going handicap route. Um, make use of that next time to start with. But let's see what happens. Um, over to Epsom. We had a couple of eye catchers there. We'll start with Friday's Hatim, who ran in the woodcut. Uh, he finished third somehow, having reared up as the gates opened. Um, but it was a pretty impressive performance to even get remotely near the front pair. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I don't know how, he, how he's managed. to. He, and he's finished with running left as well at the line, hasn't he? Mm. Um, I, I thought it was a fantastic performance. Um, yeah, he looks a, a pretty smart horse going forward, doesn't he? Um, where, where do you think next for him? Well, I think they were saying he will go to the Coventry. He's obviously got a win next to his name. Um, I think the amount of ground he actually made up and Pat Dobbs said that he didn't handle the track that well either. So, um, you know, for all of those reasons, you can certainly boost his performance and Coventry looks um, a sensible choice, I suppose. I mean, in, in terms of connections, the owner does have a, a a pretty smart looking horse running or going for the commentary that's in training with George Boa, who we saw win at Ripon first time out as well. So he's going to have a couple of, of, of runners potentially in the commentary, but um, yeah, I mean, why would you not sort of go that route and, and try your hand? Hopefully they'll do a bit of stalls work with him at home. And if he jumps smoothly and on terms, then we'll see the sort of real Hatem and how much potentially he has got. Absolutely. I think the winner, Bob Slay, is going to be dropping back in trip, isn't he? I think Eve Johnson. Yeah, I think they thought that a stiff five might just suit a bit better at Asker than the stiff six, which is, you know, understandable. Yeah. He was he showed a real good turn of foot, um, but he did have a really clear run down the outside. And that time that can often be um, you know, the winning winning move and the difference in winning or losing at Epsom, can't it? So Absolutely. um yeah, Bob say interesting. Keep an eye, he could be dropping back. Um, also, uh, we'll mention Westover, who is a tricky horse, in my opinion, to get a real firm sort of understanding of. But he was undoubtedly an, an eye catcher. Um, I, I don't know what you think, Daryl, but he looked to have settled a lot better this time than he has done in some of his previous runs. I thought he was given a terrible ride. I must admit, I thought he was given a terrible ride. I thought he, the, the rate, the, in terms of not a, not a terrible rider's in jockey shit, but terrible riders in pre-race planning. Like there was no pace in the race whatsoever. This horse had popped out and pretty much made all the running in the Irish Derby. And 
was seen to best effect on the front end of the pace, usually yeah. his stamina and his kick. Whereas to, uh, today, he uh, in, on this occasion, he was ridden into a gap on the rail, pulled out to almost look like he was going to sit there on the bridle and then kick away with a turn of foot. It, it, it was kind of like, and I don't want to be too harsh, but it was kind of like Rob Hornby had never sat on the horse before. In terms of like he doesn't have a turn of foot, he's he's a, he's an out and out galloper, and for, for Westover to to win his race, he needs to be injecting pace early and using the stamina that we keep seeing time and time again at the end of the race in the final furlong, furlong when he's running on. He's allowed himself to get outpaced by Emily Upjohn. Don't get me wrong; he probably wouldn't beat Emily Upjohn anyway. She was remarkable that the section and all she clocked were fantastic, but I don't think that. Westover was given the best opportunity to win the race. And I think it came down to pre-race planning and not looking at the pace of the race, not taking the, the ball by the horns and and really going and and, and putting them to the sword. Um, I know he needs to settle, but he, he settled lovely there. He has settled previously. I, I, yeah, I just, I don't know what you're, I don't know how they were expected to win the race like that. Be interesting. I'd love to know what, instructions were beforehand and what the feedback was afterwards obviously we can't blame Rob Hornby if he was told he has to get cover no matter what you know so it's hard for us to understand that but I I do agree I think Rob probably he tried his very best to stay the one off the rail so he could switch out as and when he needed to but he was getting ridden in the whole time pressure was applied from his outside to push him into that gap that he had on the rail now had someone have come up his inside he could have stayed where he was but that gap was there the whole time. Obviously, the camber drags you left anyway. You have a left-handed bend, therefore your horse is on its left lead. So to try and keep that horse one off the rail, to allow yourself to switch out when you've got someone applying pressure from the outside, a track like Epsom isn't necessarily easy. Um, yeah. But I agree, I would love to see him at that hey, catch trip, me if you roll can. along. Yeah. I, I just think, actually, although he can be free, and I know he can do too much i actually think he's not as quick as he thinks he is the horse and let him use that big stride and get into a rhythm and and actually what has really come apparent now is his stamina because he yeah. looked like he was going to be really well beaten and he hit rising ground and ran on again mm. um which we did see him do similar in the derby obviously i know he had um traffic problems that day but he obviously stays this trip pretty well so Iris St. Ledger, you reckon? You say again, sorry. Iris St. Ledger? Possibly. It'd be interesting to see what they do do. Um, Are they going to want to take Emily Upjohn on again? Are they going to look at keeping him at that sort of trip and go, oh, I don't know. But either way, I would love to see him ridden, you know, prominently. If someone's going a good gallop, fine. But if not, why tuck him in and fight him? Let him use that stride. He was an eye catcher for me. And I do think that now he seems, or that, certainly in this race he seemed to be a lot more sensible he could step up and trip um because I, I do think stamina is is strong with this horse so it'd be interesting to see where he goes how they ride him next time um but he's still an eye catch for me i don't think we can totally give up with him because i still think there's another big day in there somewhere yeah i agree i, I do agree i agree there was another big day um okay and then on to epsom on the saturday another eye catcher was Again, from actually the same yard, Rafe Beckett, promoter, who ran in the 355, one of our handicaps. Uh, I actually saw this horse in the paddock, got a good look at him. He is a monster, a really gorgeous horse. Um, but he was an eye catcher for you, Daryl. 
Yeah, he, he was. Um, he was an eye catch for a couple of starts ago as well. But it, this is a horse clearly just learning learning his trade at the moment. He's not entirely, um, I'd say, straightforward. Um, he, he's related to Scope. Um, remember Scope? Uh, same owner, same owner connections. Um, this horse is obviously wanting middle distances and further on it on his breeding as well. And um, he was staying on very very strongly at Epsom. He clocked actually the second fastest final furlong time um in that race uh behind torito is a pretty smart animal i think this lad's on a, on a mark of 89 he's not he shouldn't have gone up for, for for running in that race and uh there's definitely races to be won with him um i'm just hoping they're going to step him up in 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 distance sooner rather than later but he's ground versatile as well so he, he could really have a sort of a profit uh, um a profitable season for punters really going even going into sort of october time when the ground gets deep so yeah i think he's gonna be one to follow i think he could end up being a hundred rated horse in, in time so yeah right so they are our eye catchers um sort of from the weekend really on obviously saturday we had very much mixed opinions on the outcome with the dash now it's tricky we can look at this in so many different ways but ultimately the high draws from about 14 and up were disadvantaged because the gates were delayed now is this something that from your point of view you think race should be void absolute joke if i backed horse and stall 20 it's totally missed the break and you know it's unfair it shouldn't be allowed to stand as as it has 100 percent, 100 percent. like i don't know i don't i mean I'm, I'm a punter at the end of the day and, I, and i'm looking from whenever i do any sort of podcast and stuff i'm looking from how people perhaps on twitter or perhaps just general punters would feel right now, the stalls that were affected, 16, 18, 19, and 20, high-drawn runners, fancied runners, vintage clarets, 15 to 2, ancient times, 8 to 1, live in the moment, 6 to 1 favourite, Lee Hu, 11 to 1, which is a short enough price on a dash anyway. Look, if if I back, I didn't have a bet in the race, I'll, I'll get that out of the way, but if, if I'd have backed one of those horses, I'd be absolutely livid mm. because I, I would feel I've not had as fair a chance as everybody else in the field to win the race. Now, I made this point on Wade In. This is the reason why I definitely think it should be void because Epson is such Epson is such a unique track, right? The five furlong dash is such a unique track. If you're drawn high against that rail and you can pop out quick and get on that rail, it can be very beneficial to you, right? Mm. Now the statistics will tell you that actually low drawn runners are more profitable to back. But the nature of this race, when they break those stalls, they migrate, the low numbers migrate towards the centre of the track, towards the sand side, and it causes traffic problems for those drawn high if you can't get a good break away from the stalls. Therefore, you'll find loads of horses denied clear runs and running on strongly because they couldn't quite get their path. It's just the nature of the race. But the fact that those stalls open that fraction slower means that, one, it shouldn't happen anyway, so it, you know they, every, every stall should be open at the same time, but it also means that those horses are going to be put in traffic. You know, there could be front runners there that need to get on the lead. There could be, there's all sorts of issues just with the frat. But uh, the fact that this has been taken so lightly by the, by the stewards, yeah. it, it that's what really pisses me off because it, it's just showing that punters, they, they don't have no respect for punters. Like the, how many, how many times has 
things in this sport happened where people have said, oh, it's fixed or it's rigged or we've had those sort of horrible comments flying around and, and the sports image relies on punters. And if punters can't have a bet on a race and feel like they're getting a fair shake of the stick, then my God, like, what, what are we doing? Like, this, I think it's so plain and simple, it, it baffles me that it's that they can just let it go. I, I understand exactly what you're saying about the punters, but I'm, I must add as well, you know, for connections, for the yards that have put, you know, all their time and effort in to get their horse as, you know, well as possible for a big heritage handicap like the Dash, to have that all thrown totally away, you know, for the owners who have paid the entry fees and who have had the day out and planned to go there and, you know, fancy their horse, whether they fancy it or not, whether it's 50 to 1, or if it was even yeah. money, it shouldn't matter, you know. The everyone is putting in so much effort and it's just been thrown away. Now, the stewards feel like they can hand out days here, there, and everywhere and do as they like to jockeys who might go one over or you know, whatever it might be, and uh harsh in some areas. I think that's absolutely fair to say. Absolutely. Well, to be honest with you, I think they were asleep because my the impression I get is they didn't even realise there was a delay with the stalls. Because if you watch it in real time and straight up live, you might not have necessarily realised it if you're trying to watch the race as a whole group. Now, if if as a pundit you were on the horse that's in stall 20, you're watching your horse specifically. If as a steward you're watching the whole group, you might not have necessarily noticed it because it was literally a couple of seconds. Now, that can make a length or two's difference. And... The reason why I think they didn't even realise is because Alice Haynes, who trained the favourite, who was in stall 20, and was called to the stewards room and asked, have you got a reason, Alice, for uh, <laughs> your horse performing um, disappointingly? Really? Well, really? Well, yes, I have wow. got a reason, stewards. The stalls didn't open. He's a front runner and he was at the back because everyone else had got an advantage. So that is my reason. Well, if they're calling in a trainer to ask her why her horse is underperformed, they didn't realise that the stalls were shut, clearly, because mm. you wouldn't have to call the trainer in to ask them. You can see <laughs> that the stall was shut when everyone else was over. <laughs> well, Jeez. So this is my point. Because then the rule is, once everyone has been weighed in, if there hasn't been a steward's inquiry called already, all the jockeys have weighed in, the result stands. Now, had they have noticed that that had happened, they would have called an inquiry. The inquiry would have obviously happened. And then they can say that the official result, this has happened, that's happened, whatever. But because there was no inquiry called before everyone was weighed in, they let the result be official. And then next thing they've obviously realized, oh, whoops, the gates weren't all open. Oh, it's too late now. We can't do anything about it. Well, it's just so unprofessional. Well, like, it's rubbish. so unprofessional, isn't it? Like, where where would you see this sort of thing in any other sport? Like, you don't, yeah, do you? In the Olympics, right? You've got you know, hundred meter sprint. You don't see someone getting a sort of ten meter advantage, <laughs> and then being like, "Oh, it's fine." Yeah, that's what, and that's that's their attitude. That's their attitude. It was, Literally. oh, it's all right. But yeah, it's um, it's ridiculous. And uh, like, I don't. A lot of times, I don't feel feel like punters. Um, I I, I completely understand what you're saying with connections and that because that is, you know, everybody's involved in this from all sides. I don't feel like punters ever have really somebody that that 
that speaks for them. You know, I think they just are told to put up and shut up about it. Uh, and that's kind of the when when um, the steward came out to, to um, Sh- Sean Parker when he came out and gave his reasoning that he said, we've watched it at normal speed and we've determined that the impact, there was no impact on the outcome of the race. Right? Yeah, all right, mate. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that's, that's, it's so frustrating, but yeah. It's, I, I, I actually, I really, I did enjoy the interview that Matt Chapman did do because, you know, Matt was, asked, he was like, well, you know, how can you come to that conclusion? And the fact that he turned around and could say, oh, it didn't really make any difference in our opinion. Right. I don't know if you're watching something else or, you know, they have every single angle in that steward room you can imagine to watch it. And I've seen the aerial view looking down at the stalls and there's a horse that's literally obviously winged the gates. I actually think it was the orange colour stall 14 who was the one that actually caused the problem, who had anticipated the start slightly now if that happens anyway it should be void and you know i'm not yeah. saying i'm not saying in milliseconds that the starter is able to realize it in the false start and call them all back but when you watch it back afterwards it should you know it should be a void race but anyway when that's happened that horse is about two lengths in, uh, in you know into stride and the horses in the high drawers are still stood there waiting to be allowed out i mean it's ridiculous i think their draw should be changed if you could, you know, a trainer, for example, like Alice Haynes, should be able to go in and should be able to appeal what happened because her horse is stood in the stalls and can't jump on terms. But, oh, sorry, Alice, not a lot we can do because we've weighed everyone in and we've said it's an official result and it's fine. Should they not be, be Should they not be immediately watching the race back, the stewards? Yeah, of course, like, that's what I'm saying. They, they must cross, have been yeah. asleep. Yeah, uh, yeah. If they, yeah. if they obviously didn't know, I'm sorry, but they obviously didn't realise what had happened. If they can call a trainer in and ask her why her horse has underperformed, well, the gate was shut. They obviously didn't realise. So I feel like until Alice actually went in and went, here you go, here's the picture of the stalls being shut that my horse is still stood in while everyone else over here is already out. And then they've gone, oh, oh, yeah. You better have a look at that. It now. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But anyway, um, so yeah, we can obviously not that it's anything to do with us, but only, you know, say sorry to everyone who's been affected because it is really a disappointing um outcome. And I just hope that, you know, going forward, anything like that happens again, that there's something that has changed whereby we can potentially look into this better. But yeah, you know. Not always in BHA learn from their mistakes, so we'll see what happens. Probably um, (laughs) unlikely. When you bet fair on racing, you get daily rewards. So any day can be a big deal. Like with our racing multiples offer. So if you like to dabble in doubles or flirt with lucky 15s, get extra places on horse racing any day this week. Daily rewards with Betfair. Winner each way market only. Place part of each way bet. Settle the 1.5 odds. Selected UK and Ireland races. TCC supply. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. Talking of disappointing outcomes, do you want to touch on the derby? Well, yeah, I mean, not really, but no, we oh. better had. Um, we had, we had uh, obviously our derby at Epsom. We also had the Pre Jockey Club that we'll, we'll touch on as well. But um, yeah, let's, you know, Augustine rode in the winner, King of Steel, gutting, second. Um, but, I mean, 
you can look at it in so many ways, can't you? Initially, I was going crazy because I thought he was going to win. Then I was like crying. And then I was like happy. Then I was like, oh my God, I don't know. I just don't even know what to think. I was just, it was so weird. And then when I saw Kev, I think Kev was basically like me. He was like, I'm so proud of the horse, but I'm like heartbroken mm. because ultimately there's one derby every year at Epsom. And unfortunately, King of Steel can't ever run in that derby ever again. Or a derby ever again at, at Epsom. So what does what does Kev do yeah. after 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 that sort of like um deflation? You know, I think he had a couple more rides, didn't he? And then, yeah, and then he how was how does his evening one. look after that? If for, for people that don't know at home, like obviously yes, goes home. Tricky, isn't it? I mean, he didn't watch the replay for a while. Um, he had he flooded with with so many messages and, and for, you know, so many I actually genuinely think that so many people wanted him to win the derby, not just because it's Kev, but because, like, without sounding bad, you know, how many times have we seen Aiden O'Brien win the derby? And I know Ryan hasn't actually won as many as Aiden has. There have been occasions where the pacemaker's won or he's been on the wrong one, whatever. But still, you know, it's the same connections. It's the same, yeah. you know, boring, oh, well done, you know, Aiden, how many, 25 derbies, whatever it is, you know. But, like, it's it for... Richard Kingscott last year, everyone was elated because, you know, it's it, it's a jockey that hasn't had that chance before. And, you know, for Kev, he, he loved the support that he got from everyone, but he was heartbroken that it wasn't congratulations for yeah. winning it. Do you know what I mean? And afterwards, his initial reaction was like, oh, my God, I've kicked you soon, kicking himself. But then, and he didn't watch it back to start with, Ryan Moore went and had a nice chat with him in the weighing room. And I think once your initial sort of emotions calm down and you actually look back and think about it properly, then he realised how proud he was of everything that had happened and the, Absolutely. how well King of Steel had ran and the fact that it was his first ever derby and he got out at a good time and he'd hit the front and ultimately was probably run down by a better horse on the day. So it's, it's just tricky. I mean, that evening he was riding at Nottingham on Sunday, so we literally came home. I had nothing in the fridge. So we went down to one of the local pubs, grabbed a bit of dinner, got back home. He was sparko by about 10 o'clock. And it's so exhausting because the, the emotion, just, like the ride, but the emotion of everything, mm. you know, from up, down, whatever, it's, it's full on and it's exhausting. And yeah. It like, it was, a, it was honestly, I mean, I'll text you, but it was honestly, a, it was a fantastic ride. Like mm. he saved so much ground around the inside. The gaps came. He was right ready to take those gaps as soon as it came. But if he wouldn't have taken those gaps, Spraywell was going to close that door within another few strides. Yeah, he, so he, he had he, he to take squashed. that gap. <laughs> yeah. And and August Rodan has clocked some remarkable free, final three furlong sectionals like to run him down like really remarkable yeah. like like it like the horse that august rodan i know we all doubted him beforehand but that was an insane performance particularly the latter part and there is nothing i mean look how far kevin king of steel is away from everything else and the fact that king of steel hadn't had a run that season because he was pulled out the dante you know like, he's effectively had one run I yeah know like the there is trophy, lots I mean, to be positive about yeah, They're going to the Irish so derby, are they? So, who knows? We've got to obviously try and work that out, haven't we? So, it sounds like the, the August Roden is going to be going to the Irish derby. Um, King of Steel has options. He's got entries in the Irish derby, but also he's in the Grand Prix de Paris. 
um, which is obviously if you win that, it's a win and you're into the arc. So he's not actually entered in the arc. So is that the option maybe you take? I'm not too sure. Um, I actually think Longchamp would suit him really well because Kingsdale's not a slow horse. Um, that is for sure. So maybe that, you know, flat mile and a half would actually suit him. But it's, it's hard to know. I think, you know, options see what the weather does what the ground does ultimately how their work is when they start stepping back up again and does the Irish Derby come a bit too soon does he need the extra couple of weeks do they want to take August Road on on again who knows but um it'll be exciting. to see where they will go I mean August Road and obviously I know they definitely have said that he will be coming back in trip at some point so do we think he goes Irish Derby and then steps back in trip, or do we think we ignore the Irish Derby and go for the Eclipse? I think they go to the uh, Irish Derby definitely. So if yeah. he goes Irish Derby and then drops back in trip, likely I imagine afterwards would be Judmont, which therefore yes. King of Steel could go Grand Prix de Paris and then Judmont. They could, you know, he would have the option dropping back. So I'm sure they're going to bump into each other at some point. Yeah. Um, Obviously, the Irish Derby, we've got Aidan O'Brien has hundreds of entries as per usual, uh, trying to work out where they'll go. Paddington obviously won the Irish Guineas. Now, where do we think he'll go? Do we think he'll go step up to the Derby trip or do we think he'll go St. James's Palace, Royal Ascot, and um, sort of be more of a speed horse? Yeah, I can see him going to this, this St. James's Palace. Um, I, I don't see why they wouldn't. The, the, the race normally has about a 10 runner field and he's going to meet the English 2000 Guineas winner, Charles Dean. And I, I can see them going there. And I mean, that looks a fantastic race to, mm. to talk about while we're, while we're on it. Cause that, that's going to be, um, that's got some horses that as we've seen over the, f- the last few years, the likes of Palace Pier who, who didn't go down the Guineas route and sort of took their steps quietly um, before coming into and taking this race. And obviously we mentioned earlier in the year or, we mentioned on another podcast or last week, whenever it was, that we didn't think the 2000 Guineas was that strong. Um, now, obviously, Chow Dean was a, was a strong winner of it, but and we could probably argue the same as the same for the Irish 2000 Guineas. So maybe you are. Um, do you for- think? Do you think it'd be fair to say that our um, sort of middle distance three year olds are a better bunch than our milers? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, without shadow of doubt. So yeah. in, it'll be interesting. I think, in fairness, although the Guineas at one point looked like the English Guineas looked like it was a total disaster of a race and it looked very weak, effectively. Chaldean, obviously, very talented horse. But, I mean, we've seen Little Big Bear come back out. We've seen August Roden come back out. I'm excited to see Indestructible in the St. James's Palace on better ground, having had the Craven form sort of boosted. So could we maybe be seeing one or two sort of bounce back on different conditions at a different track. Yeah, I think so. Um I definitely think so. I think indestructible is a bit insulting our price about about, about like 25 to 1 on the sports but I think it's a bit insulting. Um, but we've also got like Al Riffer in there as well. We haven't seen this season. Looked very smart too. I was favourite for the Irish 2000 guineas and obviously didn't turn up because he for whatever reason I don't think he was ready. So we, we and we got this uh, Sierra's gift as well who's a, a rapid improver. Like there's this this has a makeup of a very very good race. Um there is another horse in there called Mustabshire uh for John and Daly Gosden bolted up at York in the Darley oh, Stakes. Yeah. Um he was just, he has that craven form as well. Yeah, he does. Um I just want to 
put people on a bit of an air of caution with this horse. Um, this looked like a Group 1 horse to me. I, I wrote down straight away, Group 1 horse straight after the race at York, but compared the race into, to the Phillies later on on the card, and like he dictated a very, very slowly run race, and his final three furlong time was only a fraction faster than Queen for you, who finished second um, behind Sounds of Heaven um, earlier on the card. So I would just put an air of caution on that performance. Visually, it looked like, wow, but the numbers don't quite add up yet. Um, mm. So I would just take that with a pinch of salt. And obviously, it doesn't really make too much sense unless you're completely willing to give his forgive his craven run um, for, for no apparent reason. Um, that indestructible is... 25 to 1 and Mustafa Mustafshir is 8 to 1 so listen Ammo Racing are not going to be complaining being the underdogs the outsiders <laughs> big prize because for whatever reason it seems to be working seems to work so yeah exactly yeah no St. James Palace it'll be interesting to see how we can p- compare some more of the Irish three-year-old milers to um our uh, three or milers as well so better ground different track see if there's any sort of change in um formal results there um when we obviously quickly then just said about Boston Roden and the the eclipse um sort of potential route which I agree with you I think he'll go Irish Derby and then drop back but whilst we've mentioned the eclipse plenty of the potential runners there have entries in the Prince of Wales which is obviously on the Wednesday of Royal Ascot now that can be a route because there's enough time between the two races. But what do we think about the Prince of Wales and who do we think is going, who's not going? It's still a little bit hard to, to figure out um, sort of set plans, I suppose, at this stage. Yeah, I can see the the big three from last year turning up, Adaya, Baybridge um, and My Prospero. Not sure. I think they might wait for the, uh, for the eclipse for Desert Crown. Um, mm. I can see him, him going that way instead of in here and Baybridge switching into here. Um, obviously, Luxembourg took the scalp of Baybridge last time at uh, at the Curra in the Tatsdals Gold Cup, but it was a fantastic front-running ride by Ryan Moore. Absolutely brilliant ride. Got the fraction spot on. It was, I mean, I didn't think Baybridge was catching him, but I think they're they're obviously very close together in terms of their quality. Same with Adaya and uh, same with my Prospero. I think Emily Upjohn is going to go to the Eclipse with the King George, so she probably won't go in here. But I still think we're going to have a fantastic race in here. Um, and I quite like the bigger price of all of them, which is my Prospero. I think last year when this horse turned up in this race, only had one, two, three, four, five. He was having a sick, his sixth run. Like, and Baybridge in the day, I'd been having a 10 and 12 runs. They had, they had a lot more experience. And I loved the way my Prospero battled back and quickened the second time up the home straight. and was just, just narrowly held by Baybridge. I think this horse is going to be bigger, stronger, this year um, with more racing under his belt. I thought it was an encouraging seasonal return actually at Newbury. I, I did tip him in the lock-ins and I'm kicking myself a little bit because the market spoke completely against him and uh, it was over a mile and he's a, definitely a 10 furlong plus horse. Mm-hmm. So going back up a trip, I think this horse could have a really, really profitable, uh, really, really um, prosperous season. So I'm going to hope my prosperity can been around the form with the two from last year, but it's a cracking race and there's not much between a lot of them. You know, I could see like a seven to two co-favorite or three for this race. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, I, I, do, I do like to see these sort of last year or um, the older 
horses that have gone sort of derbies, King George's and, and various things all coming back together and, and seeing how they plan out as they get older and change and mature. And, um, Makes for a tricky puzzle, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Absolutely. Um, just wanted to quickly ask you, um, we sort of mentioned August Rodin and also King of Steel, but Prix de Jockey Club obviously was on the weekend as well. We saw a pretty impressive winner. Yeah, Jesus Christ, he was good, wasn't he? Ace Impact. Um, yeah, this was this was really quite remarkable. The time was ridiculous. They broke the track record. It was like four seconds, 4.56 seconds or something inside of standard. So, like, ridiculously mm-hmm. quick. And, like, the best... Do we think that's because the ground was quicker than it normally is? No, no. I think it was courtesy of the uh, Big Rock making a making it a strong pace. Gallop, but I think yeah. it was courtesy also of the finishing effort of, of Ace Impact because I think it was bloody so, good. So where do we stand? These the three Derby horses mentioned all together. I mean, if you're if you're Roger Varian and you have King of Steel, do you go to the current take on Augustine Rodin again? Or do you go to the Grand Prix de Paris and take on Ace Impact? Like, where do you stand them against each other? Or is it just too tricky to say with different tracks and things? I think it's very tricky to say. I think it's very tricky to say. But, geez, it'd be some race they all three have met, wouldn't it? <laughs> maybe the Arc. You never know. Yeah, maybe the Arc. Um, I would I would go and have another crack at August Rodin. Um, I'm not entirely convinced that he would be able to reverse the form with him, in all honesty. But... I think there's reasons to think that you would get a little bit closer uh, with that, with obviously that being... Closer? Sort of... It was only half a length. Yeah, well, yeah, I know, I know. But I, I thought August Rodin was comfortably on top of the line, to be honest. Um, but different track, different day, different ground, race fitness. He's going to improve run by run. He's, you know, he's he's had far less experience than August Rodin. Like, I, 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 would, I would happily go and have a crack at him again. And then from there, I would see with King of Steel what what we're looking what we're dealing with in terms of do we want to come back and trip and then look at something like the St. Ledger maybe down the no, line he won't go that you won't really not go up and trip? the impression you bring him back not step him up he's got loads okay. of speed okay right so yeah maybe maybe have a look at that and then drop so in that case you think him. the ace impact is the sort of top of the derby pile at the moment no I think August Roden is what? So why do we take him on again? Because, because... That is the biggest contradiction. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Because I want to see it again, that's why. Right, Whenever... okay. Well, no, that's not the question I asked, though, Daryl. No, it's not. Um... Roger Varian's not going to want to see his horse get beaten by half a length in another group one, is he? So if you're Roger Varian, which way do you go? I was trying to put it in a way that... You basically told me which one was the better Derby horse or weaker Derby. Oh, you should have just and asked. You did it back to one. <laughs> August Rodin. Okay, so maybe we should go Grand Prix de Paris then. The ground might be a problem. Why? He doesn't want deep ground, does he? Who doesn't? King of Steel. I know. So I know. Look, I know he won on debut at, at not in a minute in in soft ground, but like we we think he's a better horse with cutting the ground. I'm not saying it has to be heavy, but. He'll be better with more. Yeah, like good to soft, but you're going to get it. Five hundred and seventy-five kilos. He's huge. So am I, and I can't walk through soft ground. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, there's comparisons, and then there's comparisons. But anyway, I think on that note, we should probably start wrapping up. I mean, we've um, we've touched on a a good few points here. Obviously, eye catches of them. 
who's the one that you're most looking forward to seeing? In Besto now, you said he's got a mark of 97. Keep that on yeah. side, absolutely. Okay. And yours is entered, actually, this weekend, I think. Mine? Thunder. Oh, Thunder Blue. Yes, mm. from last week. He has entries at Beverly and Goodwood, so interesting to see if he goes or not. So we'll keep an eye on him. But he has, yeah, he's got a couple of entries. So there we go. Our eye catches are starting to come back out. So we'll see how they go. Um, anyway, Daryl, thank you so much. Look forward Cheers, to having you again next week. And everyone, please remember to gamble responsibly.